What's up, everybody? Ooh, listen to that. Yeah. And some good stuff on the guitar right there. I tell you what, if you do not enjoy that, I'm not sure I can trust you. <laughs> so as I promised and the music is not very fitting but as I promised last week I promised I would talk about Sean Stockman so today that's exactly what we're going to talk about this is going to be part of a theme we continue to revisit over and over and over about how it's all about the people and trust me there's a lot of people I'm going to be talking about through this podcast and um I'm going to talk about Sean first just because it is such, I, I mean, I, there's really no reason. It just kind of came up in 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 the situation uh, at first. It just kind of fit with it. And then I'll go back in time and I'll talk about how all the other people came to play too. It's just so insane how it all came together. So today, everybody, put your life jacket on. We're going downtown to crazy town. Okay, so let me caption this. Uh, this is how it started, right? So we were in Florida, and we were teasing to a bunch of lawn care operators, a bunch of lawn care companies, that we had a granular coming. And we didn't just have any granular coming. We had a new, novel, slow-release technology coming where we were going to be homogenizing conventional inputs with poultry manure and biochar to create a novel release method, a novel, a novel product. And where we were especially unique was our ability to infuse materials at a pretty exceptionally high rate. We didn't just have the technology to be able to coat fertilizer. We actually had the ability to be able to infuse things. And it was very well received. And we had a good time at this at this convention and but it was it was that what it was one of those first signifying things where it was like, okay, this is this is becoming real. This is becoming really real and we're going to have to make this work whether we want to or not. Somehow, some way, we've got to make this work. In that moment of pressure that, that I was feeling after that, I was flying back to Knoxville and I was, I, I don't know, hyper is not the right word, but I was in a complete and total chaotic uh, mental mind warp of adrenaline and so I just started talking to people on the plane and uh, I mean just it just it was like it was like everything that I had been learning about pitching the product I was I was right in the middle of it and I was in my element in the airplane pitching my product to the people that are around me right and part of it is just a certain level of pride I had. And then the other part of it was 
I was scared and, and you know, I, I wanted help, I guess. I just wanted help. So sitting immediately next to me was a guy and uh, I asked him, you know, what he did for a living and, and he, he explained it and I can't, I can't really go into complete and total specifics of the conversation we had because uh, Sean is still em- employed doing his thing, but uh, he works in um, in a segment of logistics. And he was telling me about the advantages and disadvantages of the industry and, uh, and, and the type of niche that they filled. So we at least connected there that we were both in an extremely niche market and uh, we both had unique items. And he worked for a startup and we were a, a, a bumbling startup theory. <laughs> we were a startup theory. So as I got to talking to him, Sean really began to light up and he asked me questions just like all the other investors, walking me through the whole steps, you know, of, uh, okay, what is it you're making? How do you make it? What raw inputs are in it? How long's the shelf life? Um, what are you going to do in the instance of this happens? How much raw material can you source at one time? How much material can you produce at one time? Is that going to be enough material to produce at one time? And so as we made it through all those, you know, Sean was like, you know, really, I just, I would love to help you. I would love to help you. I've worked with startups before. Trust me, I'm employed by one right now. And I've had been a part of several of them, including my own companies. Just let me help. And I was like, you know what? I really don't have anything to lose. So absolutely, I'll let you help. And I'll never forget, I landed I landed back in Knoxville and I called, I called Borden and I, I told him what happened. And Borden, at the time, you know, Borden and I knew each other, but we didn't really know each other. And so uh, it was, it was kind of shocking to him that I would have this conversation with somebody on, on the airplane. But at, at the same time, I mean, he was, he was very receptive of it, you know, and he's like, okay, let's see what he can bring to the table. And so scheduled a call, John, uh, Sean and myself, we had a conversation and, you know, within 24 hours of that conversation, Sean had built us a website and had put together a press release and some other (laughs) information that was just, it was unbelievable. And I, I, I sent it to to John and John called me and he was like, did this guy sleep last night? And I was like, I have no idea. And John was like, who, who is this guy? I'm like, this is the guy I met on the airplane. He's like, yeah, I understand. But who is this guy? Like I, he just made us a website and he just powered, powered out a press release in less than 24 hours. I mean, I I don't know. (laughs) I have no idea what's happening, but it's all, it's all positive things, right? Like these are all great things. And he's like, yeah, yeah, these are all great things, man. That's, that's awesome. What a guy. So, you know, that was, that was our initial experience with Sean. Like he said he wanted to help and he's like, okay, watch, watch how much help I can offer. I can offer a significant amount of help as a matter of fact, because I've done all this before. I've done all of this before. And it became apparent to to uh, Borden and myself that you know this was uh, Sean was going to be a big mentor in in what we do and developing our idea, developing our product, and and you know, pitching it to people because Sean knew the intricacies of what it was like to find money, and he had the ability to to help and the desire to even to want to help, which is just so rare, you know. Everybody has always, you know, comes at it from the standpoint that, okay, what are you going to do for me? Sean went at it from the standpoint. He's like, let me show you what I can do. 
And that was so refreshing. It was so refreshing. It still is so refreshing because that's that's Sean's mentality. It's it's it always begins with let me show you what I can do. So with with this with us coming up with this press release and and and, and getting to know Sean, you know, we could really dial up the heat on people around us to, you know, make this Make this make the idea of Carbon Earth more of a reality. And I'll tell you, at the time, Carbon Earth was not what we were going to name the company. The company at the time was actually a company called Elemix, E L E M I X, and that was where what we were we were doing everything under. And um, and so you know, Sean Sean comes on board, and immediately he's he's going through. We need to develop a pitch deck, and he wanted to see the financials. He saw the financials. He's like, "All right, this is great. Let's let's continue to to run with this." So last week I was talking about, you know, how we had gotten linked up with this group in Kentucky, right? And Sean had found this person, and Sean is kind of, he's he, he, he's very good at using LinkedIn. I'll I'll put it that way. He found the guy on LinkedIn. He called him. He established a line of communication with him, and really spearheaded us being in front of this. And let me tell you exactly kind of the dynamic that's going on right here. So John Borden is employed by uh, the, a group from from Singapore at the time, and John is pitching this product to Singapore and and hoping that they would be interested in this type of fertilizer project because they're involved in the renewable energy sector. Therefore, they have access to all the biochar and. In the meantime, in case that didn't work out, we were we had to have a plan B and a plan C, and so that was Sean who was who was going out to establish a plan B and C, and then I would be the point. I'm not the point man, but I would be the pitch man in, in between wherever I had to go. So if I needed to go talk to Singapore, I go talk to Singapore. If I needed to go talk to Sean, I go wherever Sean needed me to go, and. We were having more and more meetings that were getting really serious. And they were getting really serious on both sides, right? So Singapore, at, at first, when we first pitched them the previous year, there was not a whole lot of excitement. And then they came in and um, uh, you know, shook hands with a couple of us. I, I met a couple of them, and, and all that was good and great. But there still wasn't really, like... There wasn't a whole lot of confidence there that there was they were really going to do anything. They never expressed anything one way or another, positive or negative, about it. And so we were just kind of felt like we were in limbo. And so meanwhile, Sean would go try and line these people up. So I'll name this this one guy, Mark uh, Mark Martin. We'll say Mark Martin like the NASCAR guy, but he's not the NASCAR. This guy's not the NASCAR guy at all. Uh, this NASCAR guy, he goes out, he's pitching to everybody, and uh, and he calls, and he's like, okay, I've got someone I need you to sit down with. I'm like, okay, great. At the same time, Borden calls, and he's like, Singapore's ready to give you an offer. I'm like, what? He's like, yes, they're ready to make an offer. <laughs> so I go to Sean. I'm like, Sean, Singapore's ready to make an offer. He's like, oh, that's great. You know, I mean, we, you know, we're running down the, 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 the timeline here. So uh, the more offers we have on the table, the better, right? So I, I have the conversation with Singapore and, you know, they kind of throw some figures out there and we, and we hear them. We're kind of like, no, we don't really like those numbers. We're going to develop a counter for you. In the meantime, I go talk to this other group out in Kentucky and 
it's the the numbers are a lot better. However, they're much more. Uh, when I use the word strict, I I need to define what I mean by strict. Strict in the sense that it's not just complete and co- total control that they want. It's the opportunity to rid us from the company at their discretion based on if we are able to or not able to abide by a certain number of guidelines. So you, you, you're looking at these two offers, right? And you got one that is, uh, is, is better monetarily, but is much more confounding and will trap you and ultimately could put you in a situation where you're, you're removed from the company for, basically anything they determined to remove you for. Then you've got Singapore, on the other hand, that was like, you know, no, you know, you, you develop the idea, you've developed the process, you've developed the product, therefore um, we think it's smart that you continue to uh, manage, maintain, and control the day-to-day of things that are going on, and then we will offer assistance where we can offer assistance. So it's one of these things where you know, do you chase the money or do you chase the viability of a long-term partner? And part of that, too, is that there's a cultural gap, right? There's a cultural gap between Singapore and the United States. It, it there, And as much as you try for there to not be, it just exists. And it's not like it's a monkey in the room. It's just always there. And no matter how you try to approach it, you're always going to discover every day more and more of these tiny idiosyncrasies that will lead to a breakdown or a collapse in communication. So now we are faced with two really big decisions. So, I, you know, we, we all talked about it and sat down with Sean and Sean was like, you know, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to counter this offer to Singapore. And he came up with a list of things that we were going to counter. And and mainly, it wasn't so much... So, okay, so when I was talking about a startup and finding an investor, one of the main objectives of that investor is to find out when are you going to be ready to sell so we can make 10x on our investment. And if it's not a number they want to hear, that's the direction they're going to force you because they want the return on their investment. One of the things we asked Singapore was, okay, how long do you want to stay in? What is your exit strategy? So we turned the investor talk back on the investor and said, what do you, what do you want your ROI to be and what is your exit strategy? And, and we, we phrased it in such a way that we followed up with that and said, and it's not because we're concerned about getting out of business. The concern is is that you are going to want to sell too quick to get out of business and then leave us in a situation because as of right now, this is all we have. And so if you want to get rid of it in two to three years, what are we going to do for the rest of our lives? But at the same time, you know, it didn't really go in because it, obviously this isn't on paper, right? And... With it not being on paper, unfortunately, you know, right now it is, uh, I, I, I don't know. I, 
you want to trust, but at the same time, if it's not on paper, it's still, it's just really hard to trust that it's going to go exactly like you stated. And, and, you know, Sean was really pivotal in this and, and it really did a couple things, right? So from a psychological perspective, it, you know, it was, it was so taxing because, you know, John's role with his company was to make sure the deal closed with, with us becoming that company, right? It was going to be a joint venture and it was in, and and I mean, that was his goal. He had to close that deal. And then in the meantime, we had, you know, Sean, who's out here you know, looking for new al- alternatives, which would mean we would not close the deal with John. And so it put a level of strain on everybody. And so we had to all learn um, each other and how it put enough strain in the right places that in, in, in the most bizarre of ways, it actually brought us all closer together. And I just can't talk about how important all of that was just the experience of it you know of the you know the the 3 p.m phone call between sean and john and myself where we're negotiating this this offer from from singapore and and you know we're trying so hard not to scream at each other and you, you 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 get off the phone and you you never know which way is it, it going to go you know because John may have the end to to do something but it's not it's not going to be what you want and then Sean may have the end to do something else but it may be completely way outside of your time frame and so you know where do you find that common ground in the in the middle as much as this was helpful i also have to stress how painful it was there is nothing, nothing enjoyable about negotiating. It's not enjoyable. I don't care who you are in this situation where you've got two friends and uh, in, a, in, a, in a business partner that you're having to, to negotiate with and he's having to negotiate on behalf of a different company. So he can't even negotiate it from the standpoint of of what he would want out of it, he has to negotiate it from the standpoint of of, of uh, purely for uh, you know the benefit of the other company, and 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 he you know John obviously would, would want what's what's best for all parties involved. That it's such a strange position to be in, and I do not envy John for a second for having to be in that. That had to have been the single most difficult part of all of this, because. We had the deal, it really, with Singapore. And this is what, what John is telling us. You have the deal. And then you've got Sean who says, we've got the deal, but we need more time. Sean says, we've got the deal that's going to equal more money. John says, you may not have the money, but you're going to have every other thing that you want. And you may say that it's an easy decision to make, but it's really not because the other companies you work with, they're ready to put everything in, in, in writing and develop a contract. When you're dealing with Singapore, they want a handshake. And mind you, we've been through four months of unknown. And to be at this point and have these two good offers... It was really beginning to become 
really emotional. You know, of, of course, nobody could ever close the door on any of it. And so... You know, we, we, we made a counteroffer, and it was it was not even remotely fair, the counteroffer we made. It was awful, actually. It wasn't, it wasn't awful. It was over the top. How about that? It was extremely over the top. But if you knew Sean, that's the kind of guy Sean is. Sean wanted, you know, the best, the best possible outcome, and that's exactly what he was fighting for. So while all this is going on, we have another group approaches Sean about this, and I'm, I'm going to say this this person's name is Colby, and Colby has a much tighter time frame, much tighter time frame. Like they think, you know, instead of at the, at the time, you know, we had to make the decision in two months. You know, they these people were thinking in three months we could have a deal finalized. So again, here comes a whole new set of pressure, right? So we've got Singapore who has made an offer now, an offer that we countered. We've got one group out of Kentucky that is a year out, and now we've got a new player that comes into the picture that is about three months out. And looking at, at this one that's only three months out, it was it was only going to be for uh, it was only going to be a partial investment. So they were not going to come in a whole hundred percent of the money on the front end. They were going to come in with maybe twenty um, percent uh, of the money. And with that twenty percent of the money, they wanted a certain amount of equity. And so we started playing with okay. So if we get twenty percent on the front end. You know, could we use that to go to a bank and get a loan on a certain percentage more of that? And then after we got that loan, say we had 50% of the money to get started, then could we take that to additional investors and hopefully come up with the rest of the money? Or could we take that money and we go ahead and put down down payments on equipment and then go try and find investors on the back end uh, to keep the project going. So with it, there was a, a, a lot more risk that kind of came into it, right? If we were going to try and make it work with a smaller one, but at least it was another option on the table. So that way um, we could use it potentially as like negotiating bargaining against um, against Singapore, right? <laughs> kind of. Because it all gets kind of weird here, right? So we start moving into May, and now it's mid-May, and we keep going back and forth with these people. And we're actually going down the road of taking on all of these investors at one time, and then we were going to pull the plug on one of them at the last minute. And that's probably not the right thing to do, but that's exactly what we were doing. Then, kind of here at the last minute, I had someone in the family approach me, and not my immediate family, but uh, an in-law approach me and not not from my wife's side uh not not or 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 you know my side but in, in outside tied to the family approach me and say i can come up with the money and it was kind of a weird thing so i called john and i told john about this and john was like okay what do we do let's check it out i told sean about this and sean was like okay what do we do 
And this is someone in the family that I kind of have a tumultuous relationship with. There was it was not healthy. We did not get along real well. However, they they um, they they felt like I personally may be a good person to invest in for long term. And and so it was it would make up oh you know about almost a hundred percent of the purchase. So we could I'm, I'm sorry a hundred percent of the investment. So. We can at least take this amount of money, and um, and then what was twenty uh, percent of the investment from the other guy, and then we would have one hundred and twenty. Well, roughly, it was like one hundred and ten percent total of what we needed to get started. With this new development of someone in the family trying to do this, you know, this is where everybody tells you do not get involved with family, right? And in, I, I will say 100%, that is 100% the case. But being that we were less, now we're at the point of three weeks. We are three weeks away from having to pull the trigger on something. A certain amount of desperation comes into you, and you do not think logically anymore. And you do everything in your power to try and stay focused on what the end goal is, but with so much noise and so much potential and in such big numbers being thrown around, it just really begins to cloud. It begins to cloud your judgment. And so we went at it with the idea that this was a good idea. And, you know, we've had the same date, you know, so this would be mid mid June was, was the date, right? Well, it was kind of bizarre how the money was going to be brought up with. So the money was going to be loaned from someone else to make the investment. And where that was weird was that now there was two chains of debt repayment, right? So uh, the first chain of debt repayment would be to uh, the person who actually gave the transaction to us. And then the second chain of debt repayment would be the person who gave us the money repaying the loan that they got in order to make the investment. And so in order for them to feel comfortable loaning the money to the person, to my family member to invest in us, that, uh, that money guy wanted to meet with us. And so I'll never forget the lunch where we sat down and, and we had, we had a pitch and, you know, we sat, actually sat in the kitchen and discussed it all beforehand. You know, it was me and John and the family member and, we had a really, really long talk about, you know, what this was going to look like. And uh, we went through the term sheet and we went through, the, uh, you know, the, the, the equity ownership of the company that would have from it and got all of our ducks in a row. And, um, and we get there and, and we start having this conversation and it wasn't, it wasn't very deep and it wasn't very technical like all the other investor conversations have been. It was very superficial, like, you know, here's your product. Is it patentable? How much of it have you made? Does it work? And then it turned into, I have been burned on X, Y, and Z investments in the past. Why are you any different? And that was the first time I've ever been asked that question from the standpoint of how am I any different? 
And, you know, truthfully, I didn't know how to answer. And so I kind of came up with one of those answers on the fly. And, yeah, you know, is, is that the reason why they chose not to invest the money or not? I, I don't know. But the fact that it didn't work out actually was a blessing in disguise. And I'm very happy. <laughs> I'm very happy it went the way it went. But, you know, I, I, I'll never forget the call to Sean afterwards of, you know, basically saying that I don't, I don't think it's going to work. And, you know, it was beginning to sink in with Sean that we really had no other alternative than to take the Singapore deal. It was beginning to sink in with uh, John. We had no alternative but the Singapore deal. And I think that meant two different things to two different people. You know, I think for Sean, it was a little dis disheartening. I think for John, it was exciting, at least because we were going to, we were, at the minimum, we were going to begin moving forward on the project. And I think that was becoming what was most important to, to Borden at the time. And ultimately, with that date approaching, it was to me too. It was becoming really important. And so, I gave a really hard deadline of June the 6th. And Singapore said, we're going to be there on June the 9th. And at this point, we've got like one week and I remember in a home run effort, I called, <laughs> I called Tyson Ventures, and uh, I kind of pitched the whole thing. And Tyson Ventures was actually really interested. And they said, June 15th, can you fly to Arkansas to meet with us? And I said, yes. Even though I knew I was going to be presented with a deal from Singapore on June the 9th. And I think this was June the 2nd. And I didn't know what to do because I could walk away from the Singapore offer and uh, risk it all with Tyson. And Tyson seemed really motivated. I was dealing with, with one of the upper executives for uh, for Tyson Ventures. And, and, and you know, from, from Sean's perspective, I think Sean wanted me to take the risk and, and see what that was like because they are such a big company and they are so embedded in the – uh, uh, chicken farming community. And I think John wanted us to move forward because uh, with, with Singapore, because we at least knew it was a surefire thing and there was not really any other way around it. It was, it was, it was a done deal. And in truthfully, there was a lot of things about if we did go the route of Tyson that would run into issues and it would run into issues that we are actually going to talk about next week because we're going to be talking about one of the next farmers to come in. So I hoped you enjoyed learning about Sean today. I have to say Sean and John both are two of the most important people in my life today. And, uh, and two, two of definitely some of the most fun people to ever be around. So I can't thank Sean enough for everything he's put into it and continues to put into it. And it's funny how just, even starting with a relationship on an airplane, how it's turned into all this. So next week we are moving into Purdue Farms. We're going to talk about Purdue Farms and why, why Purdue Farms and how that was influenced in the decision we made uh, was influenced by Tyson and the potential of working with Tyson and how that actually may not have been a good idea because the whole project was riding on the line and may have failed. 
may have failed if we had gone with Tyson. I appreciate y'all listening. Y'all have a good one. <laughs>